Pastor Cheryl. I am the children's pastor. Anna and I are partners in crime. Anna, get back up here. No, get back up here. Would you guys look at this shirt? What is up with this shirt? It's just a guy. Hey, that is Jesus playing basketball. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just a dude. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. So, as you know, Pastor Andrew is on sabbatical. He's in China. And Pastor Calvin is in Canada on vacation. So, in ancient Christian tradition, I have a greeting from Pastor Andrew. Are you ready? Dear family, hey guys, greetings from the airport of China. This afternoon, which was actually three days ago, I am flying to Shanghai to meet with Raina for our second honeymoon. Two days without worries and without the kids. So three days, two days without worries and without the kids. Grandma and Grandpa are watching them. Sabbaticals are awesome. You guys are awesome for sending me on one. Thank you. Sorry, I've just spent the last five days in a city of China meeting missionary after missionary. One day I met six leaders for interviews. I've even had the chance to meet with local pastors. I feel so incredibly blessed. How many American pastors have ever had the chance to meet with local Chinese pastors? I feel so lucky. I'd like to share one meaningful story I've come across. I think it highlights well a concept that I've picked up from the missionaries here. It's a concept of being spent. The Apostle Paul articulates this idea in Philippians 2 when he likens his life to a drink offering being poured out. In his own way, he's articulating the same concept, living a life that is spent for God, spent for glory, a life not wasted, not holding back, but giving it all, everything being spent for the glory of God. So I met a man by the name of Mr. W. He was born in Taiwan, so you know he's a good guy. Really, that's what Andrew says. (laughs) Then he came to live in the States with his wife in his 30s. He worked as an engineer. He raised four kids. And then upon retirement, he came to visit China. He learned that there were so many disabled people in the region who were unable to receive adequate care. So he returned to the U.S. to take a two- week, a two-week course on how to make prosthetics, after which he spent the next 14 years of his life making prosthetics. He helped more than 500 disabled people walk again. I've heard many stories over the past five days, but for some reason this story really resonates with me. I don't know why Mr. W. didn't come back to China earlier, nor am I suggesting that his time in the States raising children and working as an engineer was a waste, because it certainly wasn't. But the story inspires me because it showcases an individual who wants to live a life that counts, a life entirely poured out that's spent on loving God, loving others, and serving the world. Mr. W.'s story tells us that it's never too late to be spent for God, and there's never a life stage we cannot be used by God in. It is very tempting for us in America to pursue a life of self-comfort, but Mr. W's story strikes me and inspires me. Our lives are much too short to be comfortable. Why not instead be spent for the glory of God? After all, we always live in the shadow of the cross. It was the Son himself who came and died and was spent on our behalf. I love you guys, and I've been praying for you guys. The missionaries here are praying for you guys, too. I look forward to seeing you all soon. Love, Pastor Andrew. Thank you to the worship team.
You guys may have noticed, you may have noticed that we're a full house today. Commonly when we release the kids and I walk out the door with a whole, I take like a third of the people with me, right? Me and on. But we are all here today and I want to shout out to our sound team, sound team, visual team, ushers. You may notice that there are some new people uh, being mentored, checking out that team today. So um, thank you also to Brian. I think he's a pretty awesome MC. So we're doing that today. So mentoring is a practice growing in popularity. Maybe you know it as a business concept, a good solid way for younger, less experienced people to grow in wisdom and knowledge. You may have even heard Rick talking about it now and then. So let's take a look at uh, some thoughts that some of our people have about mentoring. Uh, mentorship is someone that's uh, someone's older and someone that's more mature and someone that helps you and guides you uh, and leads you. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Mentorship. Uh, mentorship is basically the way I think about it is basically like someone shepherding another person. Usually, someone that's older shepherding another younger person, like a me. Is um, more than just a person coming to meet with you. Actually, it's a per it's building a relationship where um, someone it doesn't have to be even an older person, but someone who who's further along with you, whether it's in your walk with God or in your life stage, um, who can help provide guidance and listen to you and also just be a support, and I call it a pillar of support. So. Mentorship is like the relationship Paul had with Timothy, um, older or younger. Um, so mentorship is helping one person helping another, um, but not in a formal teaching way, but more as just being someone to um, Provide advice, counsel, uh, someone to just to talk to, and process through different issues or different things in life, and just coming alongside of another person. There's one person that's very important in my life, and his name is George Lai, and he's the person that uh, kind of brought me and got me involved with the church. And uh, he's been there for me, and he's actually like my second father. And I've known him since I was nine years old. He was my second camp counselor. Know what mentor means? Andrew has <laughs> Andrew has mentored me. Um, he has uh, actually one of the most meaningful things that Andrew did for me is he he walked through. Um, a couple books <laughs> with me. Wait, wait, wait. Terry Chen, uh, I think, has been a mentor to me uh, in past years. He no longer comes to CLC, but he and I developed a, a, a good friendship um, years ago, especially when we both served on the board. And so he uh, provided that type of um, counsel and advice to me and friendship, just walking alongside me. And I think it was kind of a co-mentorship type of relationship because in, in certain instances I recall me doing the same for him when we would get together and, and have meals so and pray for each other. So it was a mutually um, beneficial uh, mentoring relationship. Mainly has an Andrew. Andrew's the one who brought me to church. 
uh, spoke to me. I, one of the concrete things I remember that Andrew did for me is when I first became a Christian. Uh, that summer, we would talk on the phone every Friday. He would t- uh, teach me the Bible for three hours, I think, every Friday. And that was very important for me. That was really instrumental for my growth. Me, or examples of that, and while going through college, I had some older friends who, a couple years older, who were really helpful in providing good guidance, not just a not, and they gave me sometimes a kick in the pants, like, what are you doing? Are you sure you really want to do that? But as I became a Christian, they were really there. There were some mentors who were really instrumental in showing me how to follow that path and stay on that path, where, whether it is making choices with um, what to do with your time, but also how you raise your children. And there are tons of parents here who have raised their children that we look as mentors to, for me, as especially when I'm raising Gabriel with Bill. So, um, and now as, a, as an older, oh, do it, I hate to say older, but um, it's a chance for me to pass down too. So not only do you get to be a mentor, but you also are mentored too. And, and now I can actually have an opportunity to mentor and share guidance to other folks who are maybe younger than me or in a different life stage to me and help be that big sister or that uh, confidant or that friend that they need. Great. A lot of good ideas. Christian mentoring has the t- potential to be so much more even than ordinary mentoring. The power of the Holy Spirit and the fact of two people being in submission to Jesus as well as in relationship with one another brings additional rich and deep facets to those relationships. So why are we talking about this today? Well, because today we are celebrating, noticing, appreciating the way that God knits us together across generations. God is blessed when his whole body is gathered together. We are reminding ourselves of the privileges and responsibilities we have in relation to one another. Psalm 145, 4 and 5 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. God calls us to pass down to the next generation the knowledge we have of God's grace and God's faithfulness. Parents, of course, have first responsibility. But as many of you have heard me mention before, Fuller Youth Institute's research indicates that after parents, the most important factor into whether or not a kid raised in the church gets a faith that will stick is whether that child has an adult friend or a number of adult friends who are in relationship with them. God calls all of us to have care and concern for the next generation, not just for our own children, or even if we don't have our own children. God calls us to be intentional about these relationships. But here is the very weird and perhaps uniquely Christian thing. In Luke twenty-two twenty-four, the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. And Jesus said a really weird thing. He said, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the one who serves. In perhaps a better-known incident recorded in Luke 9 and Matthew 18, Jesus tells his followers, whoever becomes like this child in my name, whoever welcomes this child welcomes me. And to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like this child. For the least among you is the greatest. 
Jesus uniquely values children, not only in that precious, protective way for what they will become, but for what they currently are. And he calls us not only to lead them, but to be led by them. Jesus affirms centuries-old wisdom that the young and inexperienced have something to learn from the older and more experienced. And he affirms the more surprising truth that the relationship can be mutual. The older, more experienced have something to learn and gain from the younger. And overall, Jesus himself is teaching and growing us as we live and reflect on life and the gospel together. A second read of Psalm 145 reveals that it only says one generation shall commend God's works to another. The first time I read it, I assumed it meant that the older generation would commend the works to the younger. And it does say that, but it can also be understood as an invitation to those younger to share what they know about God as well, encouraging and enriching the older. Paul once said to Timothy, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, the kids know this is one of our memory verses for this year, and it is a challenge for all of us. Each of us has the ability to give ourselves to God, to be used by God, and to partner with God in relationship with everyone around us. If we are willing to submit to God's Spirit, God can use us in many and surprising ways. God's grace is creative. God's grace is amazing. And because of this creative grace, we have to expand our definition of mentoring. Some of us will be able to have one-on-one formal relationships with others for seasons of our lives. A few of us may be like to do the Bible for three hours every Friday like Daniel. But then there's the rest of us. Those types of relationships are a very good thing, and other types of intentional relationships aimed at encouraging faith are important too. So my point is, don't be limited and don't be intimidated. Seek God's creativity. And before I go on, I want to be clear. Pastor Andrew often asks a strategy question. He says, are we talking about growing in our strengths or shoring up our weaknesses? Well, when we're talking about mentoring at CLC, we are talking about growing in our strengths. We are praising God for a way he has gifted and blessed us, and we're submitting ourselves to continue in that path, to grow deeper as well as wider, to become even more useful tools in God's hands, and also to expand our reach and include more people in the circle of our affection. So here are a few examples. One of my children has a special relationship with one of the ladies on the hospitality team. Though I am pretty sure he does not remember her name, she remains in his memory as the one who fed him bagels when he had to come early to be with me. And I know some little girls who have a fondness for some teenaged aunties and some little boys who have a special Sunday wrestling game with a middle school boy. I know there are a few adult men among us who have very interesting hobbies and who are willing to share those hobbies with the younger guys. And I'm told a lot of good mentoring goes on on the basketball court on Sunday afternoons. Now, among those nearest to my heart are those adults here in this room who are usually not in this room, 
They're next door with the youth or they're upstairs with the children. And they are intentional about creating space and time for our kids and youth to encounter God and scripture and to reflect on those encounters. These people are mentors, though we usually call them Sunday school teachers. There are also some among us who are very mindful of others and make it a point to say hello, to ask questions, to follow up on those answers, and keep track of the small details in our lives. For these people, coffee hour is a gospel opportunity, and they use it well. They use it to great advantage for the kingdom. There is one auntie among us who is particularly good at gift-giving. We recently got a thank-you note mailed to the office from one of our kids all grown up, and that kid said, thank you for remembering me during all my college years. And that's mostly the fruit of this one quiet auntie who's good at gift-giving and remembering. The Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We all have the ability to submit to Christ, imitate Christ, and therefore be an example and an encouragement to others. And we are helped by one another. Our first responsibility is to our own relationship with Jesus. You cannot teach what you don't know. And as God grows and changes and transforms us into his likeness, sort of naturally, we are more and more able to be partners in the transformation of others. It's a little bit like a group of synchronized swimmers. Each person does their own part, which is beautiful, but the real beauty is apparent only when they swim together. Each person is responsible to know and do their own part and to be in the right place at the right time. They watch each other carefully, making adjustments and sharing leadership. Maybe it'd be better to show you than to tell you. Did you know that CLC has its own team of synchronized swimmers? Did you know that? Here they come. All right, music, please. Okay, so sometimes things don't work out right at first. Sometimes relationships are a little bit tough. Sometimes we have to start over. We have to know grace. We have to give grace. So let's try again. Are you guys ready? Ready? Okay. One more time. Okay, go. Did you guys see it? Did you see it? 
You can answer me. Did you see how each person did their part? And how sometimes one person was leading, and then it was the next person's turn to lead? Did you see it? All right, you ready? Now it's your turn. Stand up. Everyone who's able, please stand. And those who are not, you'll still be in our circle. You can use your arms. Okay, on, you're the lead this time, right? Everybody follow on. from my perspective. You're an awesome, synchronized swimming team. And this is my challenge to each of us today. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to increase our sensitivity to every opportunity. Let us ask him to give us an open and willing heart to show us the relationships that we can enter into and the ways that we can serve one another. Where might you fit into this glorious dance or swim that the Lord is orchestrating? Perhaps you'll be someone who's able to pray regularly for some of our kids and youth. Maybe you'll be able to help out at the eye screening, help out with rides or food or chaperoning. Maybe you are a kid who's able to take an additional moment and talk with someone older or play with someone younger. Maybe you're able to choose people who you'll be more intentional about getting to know this year. Of course, Anna and I are also confident. I can't... Uh, leave here without saying that Anna and I are also confident that some of you, actually about 28 or 30 of you, are called to serve as Sunday morning mentors and leaders. And whatever it is that God is calling you to, we encourage you to say a resounding yes, not only for the good that you can do, but also for the blessing that he desires to pour out on you, also for the blessing that you'll have not only because stuff needs to get done, but also so that the dance we do together can be beautiful and meaningful and glorifying to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to be sensitive to your spirit, attentive to your priorities, and make space in our lives to be open to you for meaningful and intentional relationships that aim at encouraging faith. Help us to take opportunities to be an example to others in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity, whatever our age. Please cause us to be open to saying yes to you and to your calling to us to care and mentor one another. In Jesus' name, amen.